0: Ooh, some U2. Uh, on 3 article, talking with Dylan Ryle after he returned from Lincoln, said that Matthew Stafford texted him if he had any questions about Mike Bobo at Georgia, hmm. the alma mater of Matthew Stafford. And Stafford is familiar with Mike Bobo. We're familiar with Brandon Vogel from Hail Varsity, the Magazine, HaleVarsity.com. Uh, so many twists and turns in the recruitment of the number one quarterback in the country in a couple of different sites, the still consensus number one overall player. What's the next twist in the Dylan Riola uh recruitment?
1: Uh, good question. Um I I didn't see the, the Matthew Matthew Stafford angle coming, though I should have, I guess, because I knew that they had uh they were they were acquainted, but I didn't draw draw the line between Stafford and, and Mike Bobo. Interesting hire for Georgia. Um I know Georgia fans didn't like him for a long stretch, but I actually think he's he's a pretty good OC. So so maybe that's the next twist. If, if Mike Bobo comes in here and and <laughs> swings this thing uh, <clears throat> to to the dogs, then consider that a, a mild upset. I thought it was helpful for Nebraska and anyone else when, when Georgia had a coordinator change, but maybe not.
2: How impactful do you – I guess the significance of Saturday and his, his- – Presence in Lincoln, the boys' trip, everything you know that we've all been talking about. How significant do you think that is? Uh, at the end of the day, when it comes to this decision,
1: I, I thought it was was a pretty big deal. Um, you know, obviously there's some unique circumstances there, but coming on your own, uh, getting to be at a at a basketball game and not just a, a basketball game in February, but a sold out game where Nebraska ended up playing pretty well and to get that reception. You know, I think I think those things matter. Um, that said, you know, Dylan's in a unique spot with his his father's history, um, his, his uncle's presence at, at Nebraska. Yeah. Like they're going to be really intentional and have been really intentional about their approach to this. And at the end of the day, I think that. Um, that's probably what wins out. This is going to be a decision that has been considered um, and and made for for kind of strategic reasons, I guess, over maybe emotional reasons.
0: I w- I was listening, uh, and it, it's on the Husker Sports Network. The recent interview with Dr. Susan Elza, who is now the uh, she's the chief. She's the she's basically the Nebraska football CEO. But the more I listen to her, and, and coming from. Texas where she ran the UIL, she was the athletic director, she could be an athletic director in college, just the way she thinks. But there's a lot of Texas now that resides in Lincoln. A couple of things here, and, and, and you've, you've talked about it, and Nebraska getting back into Texas. How much of it will be the commitment to Texas against just pure and simple, regardless of state, if Nebraska is able to win and consistently win they can get in anywhere
1: yeah i think um i think you can do the first part of that uh you can make a commitment to a state like texas or georgia or wherever and if you're good at it that can help you but even that feels like it's going to plateau or taper off um if, if you don't have the winds to go with it so <laughs> they go a little bit hand in hand um you know texas is is an interesting state um for them to be disintentional about obviously Nebraska has a long history there, but also this staff history there um, and how they were able to do it. So it'll be, it'll be interesting. Like, you know, Texas has always been kind of an interesting recruiting problem for Nebraska in my mind. Like, I don't think they had to leave there uh, when they, to the degree that they did and they left the big 12. Um, I understand, you know, why it kind of happened, but you know, Turner Gill never played never played a game in the state of Texas. Uh, Nebraska was still able to get him. Yeah, so, I'm optimistic about their chances to get back in there.
2: I, I was seeing this uh, last night that even a, a Penn State side is is recognizing you know Penn State alum and Matt Rule in his reach out to the Pennsylvania area and really on the East Coast. I know that's not going to get talked about as much as Texas, but I mean, do you kind of foresee that as well? Especially as maybe some people at Penn State are kind of keeping their eyes on. What Matt Rule is doing in their own backyard, is, is that going to be an area that you think this staff will hit as well?
1: Yeah, I think they've already hit it, you know, harder than I guess I would have expected. Mm-hmm. I would have expected some players to show up in Pennsylvania, but, you know, unlike a, a Texas or, you know, kind of one of the other traditional hotbeds, they're just not going to see as many, you know, kind of Big Ten level players as you will some other places. But I actually think that might play to their strategy and advantage a little bit you know in terms of competition um, I mean good programs will find good players anywhere but for those guys that are you know three-star maybe you're projecting a little bit and you feel good about that projection uh, I think there's a lot of value to be had in Pennsylvania and and the Northeast overall
0: And, and you know this you've covered this long enough it's all about familiarity who's on your staff where they've come from where they're familiar with the connections that they have instead of trying to start a new connection. So there is, as Nick was alluding to, Pennsylvania, and we just talked about Texas. But I'm curious, as we go one more year, and then USC and UCLA come into the league, and potentially two other teams on the West Coast, and we know Nebraska's kind of hit or miss success in California, depending on the makeup of your, your coaching staff. George Darlington, what Mike Riley's staff and their connection to California were able to do. What's... Do you think UCLA and USC joining the Big Ten will have any impact whatsoever on Nebraska recruiting back in California where it hasn't been as hot and heavy since the old uh, Calabrasca days?
1: Yeah, I I think it at least gives you, you know, something to say when you you make the – the door-to-door sales call to, to those California prospects of, Hey, you know, we're Nebraska football. We'll be out here, you know, once a year or, or whatever it ends up being. So, you know, sort of like uh, the, the Texas big 12 angle, it, it at least gives you that, but similar to Nebraska's history with the state of Texas, like it's, it's history with California is pretty long. And right now it's sour because of, you know, I think, kind of the Riley era and how, how that went. Um, but in terms of, I think, since 1973, the top three states that have produced scholarship players at, at Nebraska are Texas, Nebraska, and California. That is, and, you know, we can all think of really, really good football players who who came from California. So it's one where it's not as trendy as it was, I think, in recruiting mm-hmm. circles, the the California player. but there's there's still a lot of good players to be had. And it's it's a kind of valve I think Nebraska could open back up pretty easy. And it gets a little bit easier with those two teams coming in.
2: Hey, Brandon, I know in you alluded to this, we know in, in three weeks uh, we get to see spring practice. There are a lot of guys, holdovers from this previous roster, that I think have a, a very interesting path that already started, but as far as competition uh, starting when we get into spring ball. I want to, can you make a case that Thomas Fedoni might be one of the more interesting guys to follow right now, just given his injury situation, but also how important he could be at the tight end position if he is fully right with the staff?
1: Yeah, I think he, I think he ranks right up there. I mean, you look at, you know, big spring mysteries, tight end is, is as, as big a one as there is, I think so. Nebraska, based on what we know now, you know guys can emerge, uh, so on and so forth. They can continue adding to their roster to some degree. Um, <clears throat> they need Thomas Spadoni to be and stay healthy first of all. Um, that goes without saying. But then, if he becomes, you know, even approaches kind of the player everyone thought he was coming out of high school, well, th- then you're you, you've really got something. But those are kind of two two independent variables you got to contend with. So him having a strong spring. Uh, I guess maybe the easiest way to play it is if we, if we come out of spring football and think, okay, well, you got Spadoni; he looked good. Mm. Looks like he's your starting tight end. That's that's quite a bit of progress from where we are today. I think.
0: Don't they have to uh, apply for a waiver for Gilbert?
1: I think you're right. Uh, not one hundred percent sure because I mean he's been at two schools now. So yes, I think I think that is correct.
0: Uh, One final one here because as we're getting closer to spring football and possibly Casey Thompson will be able to participate more in spring football and we've gone back and forth since Jeff Sims was brought to Nebraska and Matt Rule being a little bit more familiar with him. When you break it all down, agree or disagree, Casey Thompson, what he did last year, will not have as much weight as we put on it.
1: Hmm, interesting. Interesting. I think I, I think I have to go with agree on that. Um, you know, I, I think there's a lot of things you could take from from Casey's 2022 season, and a lot of it's positive. Um, but just with the, the new staff, new spring, uh, new competition in terms of Jeff Sims, the guy who's, who's played a ton of football himself, uh, I, I think it probably doesn't mean as much as it as it would have before Sims decided to, to make Nebraska his
0: home. That's uh, going to be uh, it'll be one of the big storylines that you guys will be covering at Hale Varsity. Brandon, as always, we appreciate our Wednesday uh, visits. Have a, a great week. Thanks a lot, guys. Uh, Brandon Vogel. See, I, I don't know. As you get closer, I'm thinking we probably, on this side of the table, put a lot more weight into what Casey did last year, and he's the returning guy. Mm-hmm. Then, you know, maybe everybody gets a fresh start. Or do they? Yeah. I mean, You can make a case that we don't know enough about Casey running the football and his comfortability. Yeah. That okay, Jeff Sims is probably the better all all around quarterback because we know he's three years over 1,100 yards rushing at Georgia Tech. But I don't, I, I don't, I want to say they're going to start even and it's going to be all you know. This is just go. We don't know you and it's starting. Yeah. We'll 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 see. But Casey Thompson being able to go through more spring physically is a great sign and not a surprise for a kid that wants to get in the mix Mm -hmm. and isn't gonna isn't gonna let somebody just come in here and be. And take the job without right. him giving it a fair run at it.
2: Yeah, I mean, one guy was identified from this coaching staff, and the other wasn't. But what you hear as much as you can, you try to factor that in of how they feel about Casey, and that it, you know, in a perfect world, it would be a you know clean slate, may the best man win. But we'll, we'll see if that plays out because I think it is interesting about the pressure that Casey came into last year compared to where it is this year to say that there's no pressure on KC, eh, probably not, but it's not the same kind of pressure. I I think knowing that there were jobs on the line last year and this was the one area that that coaching staff felt that they had to get right and they said goodbye to a four-year starter and they're bringing in another guy who is a starter A lot of hype that went behind that. It was just different kind of pressure than what I think he's going to be sort of experiencing this year. And and obviously, I think a little bit more comfortability just being in Lincoln
0: for another year as well. Uh, Enjoy Creighton and Georgetown tonight. 7.30 uh, tip. We'll uh, recap it tomorrow. Uh, Among other things that are going on on this first day of March. Good show, everybody. Uh, Lots of discussion on what happened last night in uh, Lincoln. I think Michigan State just made another three. Nebraska (laughs) got called for an illegal screen. (laughs) And and Izzo Izzo is now walking through the map of Nebraska, and he's made it to Grand Island.
2: It's about time he got there.
0: Uh, For all of our great guests and all the uh, segments are up on the radio replay page. uh, For Scott Shanley, for Joel Lorenzi, for Brandon Vogel, Nick Hanley, Jimmy Chavez, I'm Gary Sharp. Mornings with Sharp and Hanley back again tomorrow at 6. Crossover next.